I'm the best dad to all of my children when I'm able to be with them in all of their emotions. I can't be with them in all of their emotions if I can't be with myself in the emotions that they're experiencing. And so the more that I can try and understand myself and become more comfortable with who I am in my full range of emotions, like who do I become when I experience certain things, then the more likely I am to help my children to grow up to be people who don't need to run away from the ways that they feel. And I think as simple as that might sound, it's really hard in the way that it plays out because it's hard to be ourselves in our emotions. It's really, really hard to be ourselves in emotions. Welcome to the show, I'm Joe Horton. On the Guild of Dad show, we unwrap weekly the incredible stories, skills, and expertise of the world's most captivating dads and experts, along with topics and stories that will captivate you and impact your life. If you're a regular listener, then I want to thank you for listening in to what I and my guests have to say on a regular basis. Let's say you've just discovered the podcast, then welcome. Have a scroll back through the back catalogue and discover a ton of other conversations. This podcast is for you, the dads that listen. You're the ones that drive me to succeed with Guild of Dads and help as many dads as I can through the conversations I have. But more than that, your support means I push outside of my own comfort zone daily and lean into becoming the man and dad I want to be, knowing that I can pass on what I've learned to others. If you want to get involved, you can reach out to me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. I'm doing quite a bit on Twitter right now, which I'm finding quite a lot of fun as well. Or also, drop me an email to joe at guilddads.com. Let me know a bit about you, where you're from and what challenges you right now to grow. You can also join our rapidly growing Facebook group and join the Guild. Over in there, you'll find a positive, encouraging community of other dads on life's journey. Guild of Dads message is resonating, a message of personal growth and brotherhood and celebrating men and dads, along with the far-reaching impact we have on society. I'm proud to be on this journey with you guys and leading this movement. So what do you get on this podcast? Each week, we deliver content and conversations that will expand what you think is possible for yourself, enabling you to positively impact yourself in all areas of your life and the lives of those that surround you. We do this by speaking to fascinating individuals, best-selling authors, entrepreneurs and ultra-athletes, professors, psychologists, and also some ordinary dads like you doing some extraordinary and impactful things. Every episode will give you either actionable resources to take away or a different perspective on a particular topic. These conversations are important and necessary because the world is changing, the role of dads and men is constantly under the spotlight, sometimes under attack, and my dream is to make Guild of Dads the go-to resource for dads like you who want to make some changes in your life and live lives of vision, action, and meaning. So what's today's episode about? Resilience and how you can grow through difficult times. There's a lot of encouragement on men to talk right now. It's almost become a meaningless statement, in my opinion. Not because we shouldn't talk, but because it ignores what happens next. Who do we talk to? How do we talk to them? And what do we do to equip ourselves to become better men and dads at the same time as learning tactics to navigate the ups and downs of life without life breaking us? So that's what today's episode is about, the art of resilience. Today I speak to resilience and breathwork coach, expert in humanizing our emotions, speaker and trainer, Josh Connolly. 
Josh talks passionately about how he grew up with an alcoholic father, but also the journey he has been on in getting to the bottom of who he really is, how he responds to his feelings, and how this impacts those around him. And now, to my conversation with Josh. Josh, welcome to the Guild of Dads podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. It's a pleasure to have you, man. Um, I really I really enjoyed hearing you speak to somebody else on a podcast recently. And as I said to you before we came on air, that's why I really wanted to speak to you because there is, particularly kind of in men's and dad's mental health these days, there's a, there's a massive thrust behind this whole thing of kind of we need to talk and it's good to talk and stuff. But one thing that I think is kind of lacking in that whole conversation is what next? What happens next after we've kind of started talking? And and that's where I think a lot of the information kind of falls off a cliff here in terms of this whole this whole discussion around, you know, the relationship we have with our own thought. Um you you were talking about strength a lot on the on the conversation I heard you having with another person recently. And 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 the topic of being a strong man. Before we delve into today's conversation too much, what has your journey been to kind of get you to the place personally where you are right now and how you've ended up doing this work in terms of helping people around um, resilience and, and those kind of things, man? Well, I guess, I mean, to kind of give you like a top line view and overview of it, I struggled for a lot of my life. Um, but I sort of hid my struggle behind a certain kind of character. Uh, and that was one that was like a tough guy. It was always sort of uh, loud and brash and in people's faces. And all of that really was hiding what was quite a deep pain and a lot of hurt. And I, I didn't even really know it at the time, I don't think. And I thought that what made a strong man and what made a resilient person was somebody who just keeps showing up no matter what, right? Who forget everything, you know, you bite down on the gum shield and life's tough and you've got to get on with it. And I had a problem with alcohol uh, as well as other stuff, drugs, um, anything really that took me away from myself and gave me an opportunity to not have to be me. I, I, I found myself having problematic relationships with. And then in my sort of mid twenties, I stopped drinking, stopped using alcohol. And what I found was, is that I was still desperately struggling with the ways that I felt. And I didn't, I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know who, I didn't know what that meant. I mean, this was like 10 years ago now. Um, people were starting, I guess, to have the kind of quote unquote mental health conversation, but I never, I've never resonated or related to having a mental health problem. Right. And, and, and to kind of bring it around to some of the things already that you were saying, you know, people say, talk about how you're feeling at that stage of my life. I was a dad. Um, and I felt like I might hate my kids because I couldn't deal with them. I, I was seeing them on the weekends and I, and I couldn't cope. Uh, I felt like I hated myself. I felt like I wanted to fight everybody. I felt like happy people were annoying and shouldn't be around, right? And I didn't feel like I had depression or anxiety. I felt like I was about to explode. I felt like I was a bad person. And I felt like if you knew who I really was, then you would hate me too. And so what happened for me is that because I'd stopped drinking and I could no longer 
blame it all on 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 alcohol or drugs i just decided you know felt very much like the best thing for everybody was for me not to be here and i guess we'll get into talking about some of the stuff but you know look for me when i when i felt really overwhelmed i hid behind anger so i i didn't feel like i had a mental health problem i felt like i was angry all of mm. the time and I made at that stage what felt like a very honest and noble decision to take my own life. And I thought it was the best thing for me. And I thought it was the best thing for my kids. And I didn't tell anybody because I thought you'd tell me to stop. Right. And I thought, but I actually thought if you really were honest, if everybody was really honest, I, th- I, I thought they would think that it was best for me not to be here too. And I went to see my kids and um, because I knew I was going to die, I was going to say goodbye um the past was irrelevant and the future was non-existent and I, I guess for the first time ever in my life I was present with my kids and I remember cuddling my daughter and this is the thing when I say I felt like I hated my kids I'd always known that you say you love your kids right I knew that I knew that's what you say but I'd never held my 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 kids in that way and felt it like really like wow like this is what I'm supposed to feel and it was in that weekend that I changed my mind and more importantly than changing my mind, I realized that what was killing me was coming from inside of me. I realized that the struggles that I was having, that, that what I'd been missing in my life was that connection to my kids. Yeah, that, that, that way that I felt. Because, because having that moment with my daughter, I realized I'd never experienced that with my dad. Right. And then so it started to unravel stuff. And it, and it was from there, really, that I started to do some self-work and started to really look at myself. And then I've kind of grown into the to the person that I am today f- from that experience. Mm, mm. And you talk about this kind of having to face down all these kind of strong emotions when you stop drinking. Do you think that a lot of people are kind of um, anesthetizing thought, feeling and emotion now and using kind of, uh, I'm going to lo- loosely called self-medicating, but that could be a number of different things be it substances or behaviors or whatever. I think a lot of people in the modern world seem to be self-medicating in order to kind of avoid facing down very, very difficult feelings that they know are going to be hard to deal with. Yeah. That's a problem you see them. I absolutely think that's what happens. And actually, I think that um, we live in a society in the Western world anyway that teaches children to do that. We don't teach children necessarily to use alcohol, but we don't teach children how to be themselves in their emotions, right? Nobody ever mm-hmm. taught me when I was ever, whenever I was sad, when I was a kid, I was told there's nothing to be sad about. If I was scared, I was told there's nothing to be scared about. If I felt stressed, I was told you don't know what stress is, right? And I think we teach kids that. If I was angry when I was a kid, I was told if you carry on like that, you can get out. And so I, I never learned how to be myself in my emotions. And so when I felt all these deep feelings, I didn't know what to do with them. I didn't know how to comprehend them. I didn't know what they meant. And so when I drank, they went away. Like alcohol was never my, my problem. It caused me a lot of problems, but it was an attempt at a solution. And I think, you know, in the moment, it's a damn good one because I, I I would, I drank instead of killing myself loads of times throughout my life not necessarily very directly like like that but i would feel awful and then i would drink and it would go away and so like in the moment it really does work so do lots of other things gambling sex drugs uh whatever your behavior food yeah whatever it might be that those things work in the moment 
um, and then they, you know, if we start to have such a bad relationship with them, they do start to destroy us. So to bring it back to your question, not everybody that drinks alcohol is doing it to anesthetize or self-medicate, but I do think a lot that is the that is the reality for a lot of people. Yeah. 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 And I think what 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 you talk about in terms of kind of getting close to your kids, do you think that in like you mentioned you mentioned your dad, I think, and um previously when when I heard you speaking about his alcoholism, do you think that part of kind of this finding it hard to get close to your kids was part of the process of oh, I don't want to allow people to get close to me um for fear of kind of losing them either mentally or physically do you know what I mean where you're actually mm. kind of you've not got that connection to them so it's easier to keep people at arm's length rather than allow them to kind of get get in if that makes any sense and I tell you why I say this because because I um because I lost my mum tragically at 18 and one of the things that I kind of felt that was hard in those in the first sort of decade or so afterwards was it was hard to let people in because you're scared you're going to lose them if you let people in and uh i don't know whether you can relate to that it sounds like you might be able to uh, definitely definitely you know it it made sense for me to shut off and not let people get close to me because whenever i did throughout my life when i was a child i got hurt right i spent my childhood trying to be good enough for my dad right i not necessarily as consciously as that but I tried to be as funny as I could so that my mum didn't have to be so sad all of the time. And so, you know, it was a lot of what I struggle with in my adulthood, my inability to be able to connect fully with my children as just being one of a million examples, mm. I believe actually started off as a survival mechanism when I was a child. It made perfect sense for me to, to build a brick wall around my emotions and not let anybody get close because because the people that I needed that most from couldn't show up for me in those early years. My mum was, you know, struggling with my dad's addiction and my dad was struggling with his addiction, right? With his own addiction. And so the two very people that needed to be there for me when my brain was developing at its fastest rate weren't able to do it. And so I developed, I developed ways to keep myself safe. And I think certainly my truth is a lot of what I struggle with in my adulthood started off as a survival mechanism when I was a child, made a lot of sense when I was a child, starts to kind of be harmful for me when I'm an adult. Mm. Yeah, I can completely relate to that. I can completely relate to that. And and do you and do you do you find that do you or do you try and think of the right words here? Do you think that for for a lot of people it reaches a point where the kind of the the pain of not face themselves down. I call it the kind of man in the mirror, confronting your kind of man in the mirror, if you like. Do you, do you think that for some people, the pain of running eventually catches up with them and actually they've got to turn around and face this stuff down because the kind of the alternative is a life where you're just going to constantly be running or you're constantly going to be medicating and, and you just run out of it. You just can't keep running anymore. You kind of run out of energy. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah I, look i think we lose a lot of men actually for that i think if you look at the if you look at the suicide rates and then look at the kind of common age range of where that happens i think you find it's it's around that kind of stage where 
we you know we start running and we create certain parts of ourselves become polarized and they're kind of what runs our life and then we set about setting a life up like that now when my whole kind of breakdown for want of a better expression happened the marriage that i was in had completely fallen apart and i was completely alone right so uh, like i didn't risk losing anybody by coming out and saying who i really was but if that breakdown had have happened and i was in a marriage with kids and i thought that my wife loved the version of myself that didn't exist and i thought that my kids loved the dad that didn't exist either because it's not who i am and i've been being somebody else to try and survive well then the very act of me coming out and saying this is who i really am might risk me losing everything and then so what's the point and so i do think that happen i do think that 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 comes for everybody or most people right and and it's either becomes the fork in the road where we create the change or we lose a lot of them people and i do look listen there are there are other people who kind of just carry on bumping in and out of it for the rest of their life i think that's probably a large proportion of people as well um but i do think to bring it back to what you said i i, I do think it's impossible to keep running or hiding or whatever expression you want to you want to I, i don't think you can do it all your life right mm. it, it, the cracks always appear yeah yeah and to your point your point is just what you said about you know actually if you're in a relationship coming out to uh your partner or your wife about hang on a minute stuff's not kind of working for me here and, and and I need to make some changes or whatever. I spoke to a guy called Andrew G. Marshall about this and uh, just in terms of the kind of the relationship side of things, how this plays out in relationships. And he said to me, you know, one of the things that happens when you go to your wife or your partner and you say, actually, um, I, I, I've got, I've got a problem here and I need to sort something out quite often. Um, women will interpret that as the problem being them and actually mm. and so this creates a kind of a bit of an existential nightmare for guys because they're like actually if i say that i want a life that's slightly different or i need to make some changes or i need to cut some people out or i need to distance myself from certain influences around me it's all of a sudden oh shit they're going to have a midlife crisis and it's got to be about me or they must be having an affair or something so this kind of your i like that you picked up on that because it adds another dimension to what we're talking about here and and the kind of isolated feeling i think that guys go go through in actually well actually if i can't talk to my wife about it a lot of guys haven't got a tribe or a brotherhood or whatever it's going to be around them well who do i speak to you know, it's kind yeah, of like, yeah. you know and this is the kind of this is the paradox of it we're saying okay you need to speak and you need to talk um how do i who do i talk to i can't talk to my wife because she, you know she's going to interpret that it's something wrong that she's done or she's not good enough for me or whatever and but who else do i talk to do i talk to my parents about it and it's it's, it's a difficult thing isn't it it is and and particularly if you've sort of created this character like we talk about right you've created a version of yourself that isn't ultimately true then then for the man and the, the woman in the relationship, there's huge risk in me coming out and doing that, right? Because if I am in a marriage and look, look for me, I acted like I was a big, tough, extroverted man who, you know, didn't care about nobody, was in your face. If you want it, you can have it. I'm outgoing. I've got a massive social circle. I'm out and about in the pub, da, da, all that kind of stuff. That's who I was, right? That's who, who I'd created. 
when when actually who I am is somebody who doesn't like a massive social circle, likes being on my own, prefers not to kind of be extroverted and shouting and all of that. Well, then if I was in a relationship when I decided to come out with that massive change, well, then potentially it's not doesn't mean my wife at the time would be a bad person necessarily or whatever, but she's going to lose who she married, right? Potentially. But what happens, I think, in a lot of cases is that probably the the, the wife, in a lot of cases, kind of knows who it, they married the person behind behind the mask, right? Because yeah. they kind of knew it anyway. But but the man doesn't think or know that, right? And then when you have to kind of rediscover who you are, well, then a relationship needs to be rediscovered as well, right? Because it is almost like the death of the old me and like the beginning of this new me, right? And so if you're doing that within a relationship, it adds a huge complexity to it, right? And like I, I always I say to everybody, I was sort of really fortunate that I kind of did a lot of that on my own. And then when I met my, you know, I met my wife who we're, who I'm married to today. But 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 even within that marriage, because I'm always doing self-work, I do have big changes, in, you know, and that's hard to that's hard to to come to to the people that you love the most and go, by the way, you know, I've always said this about myself. And true, and actually, I was doing it for a coping mechanism, and this is who I really am. There's all there's, there's risk in that, right? Because they might go, well, I don't, I'm not keen on that because yeah. I'm married. I'm married the last. I'm married who you were before you had this big self discovery. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's always yeah. risk. I love that, and it's really perceptive what you just said then as well, because I, I noticed that you know one of my areas of interest, specifically with working with with men and dads, is that is around relationships, and I think that one of the things that I see that happens quite a lot is that we get into relationships, we settle down, we have kids, we kind of give away bits of ourselves in order to kind of what we think are sacrifices in order to make that union work. And I use that word union um, deliberately because it is a union. And Mm. what I think is happening quite a lot in, and this could be, this could be a rabbit hole and a podcast in itself around what I would call loosely parental martyrdom and, and um and parents giving up everything and everything revolves kind of around the family and each other but what in a nutshell i think what happens is is we come into relationships we kind of make sacrifices in order to make the relationships work we maybe see a little less of our friends she sees a little less of her girlfriends we have kids we settle down and and all of a sudden you become more and more invested in it and it becomes you merge into one thing rather than two Mm. separate people in union and I think mm. this is the point where stuff begins to kind of unravel a little bit. And a lot of the work I do with guys when they're kind of trying to sort their relationships out is actually actually fixing themselves first and then coming to the relationship from that point of view rather than actually trying to say, well, actually, my wife needs to change in order for me to be better. Or she's saying, well, you need to change. So, mm. rather like, so getting guys to kind of fix yourself first, then fix your kind of relationship and not to say there's anything wrong with you but i think you know you're not looking for your to your wife for for validation as to who you are as an individual you're able to do that yourself and you come together as this kind of Mm. union of people and and what happened what often happens with that is to, to what your point about kind of um the person you were originally your wife wanting the person that you were kind of originally that's what often happens you know because you all all of a sudden you're having outside interest you're getting your needs met you don't need her for validation 
And it's like the guy she met when you first got together. And all of a sudden, the sparks come back and the kind of mm. mojo in the relationship comes back. And it's, it's a very interesting thing to see. And um, But we all get stuck in this kind of, we are one, we're, we're, this one uni- we're this one unit rather than a union of two individuals. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's one of the things I was, one of my mentors has always told me from the very beginning is you're two people on the journey, but you can go on a journey together, but you have to always remember, right. That you go on the journey together as, as your own individual selves sharing in the journey. Do you know what I mean? And you can bring one another along with on them. Right. But like you say, the moment you kind of merge and it becomes like one, then you lose your autonomy. And once you lose your autonomy, then, then, then you're in trouble. Right. Cause mm. you, your autonomy is, is vital to anything yeah. that we do i think yeah yeah it's it's that's the word i was looking for autonomy it was on the on the on the on the tip of my tongue that was this is the thing with podcasting is you kind of get a memory blank as you're talking because as you know you've got like about 20 million things going into your head thinking wow yeah you <laughs> uh, and we could and, and if we were i'm sure you and me josh if we were to go down the relationship rabbit hole this would be a proper three-hour epic but i'm going to bring things it, back yeah it would be uh, and one thing <laughs> one thing i would say is i wouldn't even like to make myself an expert on them by the way when i look at when i look at how they all gone through my life <laughs> it's funny actually because i've interviewed quite a lot of relationship experts on here and they will be the first ones to say uh, i've been working in this area for 30 or 40 years and even i don't have all the answers sort of things so it's quite yeah, a, yeah. it's quite a funny topic yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna cast my fishing rod and reel things back in a little bit towards um what we started off with and this was this whole topic of res- uh, resilience and um this notion that I think that in the mental health space, there is this kind of, we need to talk and it's good to talk and stuff. But I think that there is this kind of, there is this lack where what happens next after that. And and what I like about your content and what you talk about this topic of resilience, um, how we, how can we as men and how can we as dads, begin to unpick and change our relationship with thought feeling and emotion josh what do you think about that well this is one that you could do like three or four hours on right it's a question <laughs> how do we begin but the one thing that i would say is that we like the, i always bring that kind of question back to what am i doing with myself right because i'm the best dad to all of my children when i'm able to be with them in all of their emotions I can't be with them in all of their emotions if I can't be with myself in the emotions that they're experiencing. And so the more that I can try and understand myself and become more comfortable with who I am in my full range of emotions, like who do I become when I experience certain things, then the more likely I am to help my children to grow up to be people who don't need to run away from the ways that they feel. And I think as simple as that might sound, it's really hard in the way that it plays out because it's hard to be ourselves in our emotions. It's really, really hard to be ourselves in emotions, particularly when it's emotions that have played parts in our lives, right? When it, Whenever it brings up feelings and all that kind of stuff. For example, if you take my son who's 10 now 
I had a really difficult relationship with him when, when he was about seven, right? And he's really sensitive, like I am, right? I'm really sensitive, as in not just sensitive emotionally, but I'm like, I can really pick up when somebody's emotions change and I'm really in tune with other people's emotions, right? And my son's the same. And we were like at loggerheads in, in our relationship, me and my son, right? And I remember saying to my wife, I don't know what I'm going to do about him, right? Well, I don't know what to do about him. And she said, you don't need to do anything about him. You're the problem. And when my wife said that, I was like, at first, I was like, wow, I can't believe you just said that. But then it hit me. And what I realized is that I was the problem. And what was happening was a lot of the defenses I had built up for certain parts of myself, for certain emotions that I experienced, right? My sensitivity, my son pierced straight through them because he was the same as me. And so when I was a bit stressed and trying to keep stuff in and didn't want to face an emotion, he could tell that. And so he wouldn't say to me, you need to face this emotion, right? Because he was like seven. He would go straight to it, pierce beyond all my barriers and make me feel uncomfortable. And then so what was happening is I was like approaching my son metaphorically with my fists up, right? Thinking he's going to, he's going to, and then so I was trying to shut him down and I was trying to protect myself. And I started acting like a seven-year-old child every time I approached him. And so the work wasn't on how do I change my son? How do I get him? What do I do for my son? The work was on myself. And how do I stop approaching him in such a defensive way? And the way that I did that is by working on myself Mm. and working on the ways that I felt. Because when I used to say he's, you know, I used to say he's too sensitive. And I realized I used to get that said to me all of the time. And what that means is when I said my son was too sensitive is I, I couldn't handle the ways that I felt when I sensed his sensitivity. Right. So the work is on me. And so I had to open up myself. I had to learn to peel back the layers and open up my heart for, for, for my kids. So to kind of loop all of that back to what you asked me, the way that we change it is by working on ourselves, right. So that we can remain ourselves when we're when we're with our children and that ain't easy because i don't find it easy to be present with my kids i'll say that now and i'll say it very clearly because i think it's true for a lot of men yeah um when my kids were really young before they had rational parts of their brain and they're just a big ball of emotion i i didn't know what the hell to do with them and my wife would sit and look at them and be in their emotions with them right and look in their eyes and go i would hold them for like a minute and then put the telly on and think my my job here is I'm not with this child. I'm just holding it because I don't do anything yet. And I used to think I can't wait till he, he gets older so that I can talk to him and he can ask me for stuff. And what I meant was I can't wait until he gets a rational brain so I can I can I can connect with him. And that's on me and my inability to know what emotions are. And and then so even now when they're a little bit older, I have to work really hard to not have my phone out to when they want to sit and play with me to not be thinking, I don't want to be here. This is boring. I like need something to stimulate my mind. Right. And the thing is, is that we talk about talking. Yeah. It's scary to say that stuff because you just sound awful, like a terrible dad. Right. Yeah. But the work is because that moment I had with my daughter, when, you know, we cuddled and I felt it like I'd never felt it. The work is how do I, how do I be like that more with my kids? How do I sit with my kids? Because the best experiences I've had in the last 10 years have not been, you know, if I'm jumping out of a plane or landing the big business job that I was able to do, it's when I'm playing snakes and ladders with my daughter and I go, 
I come round and I think, cool, I've been playing this for like 10 minutes and I haven't thought about anything else other than my daughter and playing Snakes and Ladders. Mm. And if I can find those moments more often, then I think my, my, my children will believe who they are. They will develop a, a core, um, true sense of self that doesn't, that, that's not one that they have to spend their life running from like I do. Gents, I'm going to jump into the conversation here very quickly. You've probably heard me mention that putting out a regular podcast involves a substantial investment of both time and money to make it happen. Guild of Dads isn't sponsored, and I'm 100% self-funded. So I've recently set up a service called Ko-Fi, which means if you like and appreciate what I'm doing with the Guild of Dads podcast and Facebook group, or even if you want to follow me on social media, then you can buy me a coffee to say thanks and support my work. Just head on over to guildofdads.com and you'll see a small coffee cup at the bottom left-hand side of the screen entitled Donate. You can also follow me on there, so I'll be posting updates and some other cool stuff just to let you know what I'm up to. Any of you guys helping to support the podcast and group by donating will get a shout-out on both platforms as my thanks to you for getting behind what I'm doing. If you ever wonder how some of my amazing guests get to where they are in life, the athletes, the entrepreneurs, those making a massive impact on the world, I can tell you that pretty much all of them follow a very deliberate plan or system of some kind. This is exactly what I do too, and I'm revealing how you can implement a plan and system in your own life completely free in my ebook, The Dad Blueprint, over at guildofdads.com forward slash dad. Incidentally, many of the people I interview on this show will be leveraging the power of similar systems to radically level up their lives and transform into the men and dads they always wanted to be. So you'll be in amazing company. And now back to today's conversation. Mm, yeah. And the thing is as well is when the more you learn about, the more you learn to kind of change your relationship with thought, feeling, emotion, the more you can mentor them through that and role model them through that. And I like that you said, you admitted, you know, that you're not great at this because I went shopping with my daughter on Saturday. She's nine. Uh, and so we went, we had a change of plans because we were meant to go up to town and my oldest was came down with rotten cold. So we went and I needed to get some, I needed to get some clothes, I needed to get some trainers. And we sat and we had sort of, you know, we had we had um like a brunch. And so I'd we, we sat and we chatted and stuff and that. But later on, when I got back from shopping, you know, she'd, she'd got, a, I think she, usually she, you know what it's like with, with sons and daughters, they try and shake you down for stuff as you're walking around. <laughs> and I think, and she ended up with a key ring and, and I got some bits and bobs and whatever and stuff. And I got back and later on yesterday and I said to my wife, I said, she said, how did it, how did it, how did it go? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah it's good. And then, and then my, my, youngest Emily said oh um she said we were we were we didn't go to this shop and we didn't go to that shop and, and my wife said well why is that and she said well daddy was in a hurry because he wanted to get to this shop and that shop and whatever and stuff and then all of a sudden it hit me like a brick I'd been in such a hurry to do what I want to do and get around to all these places and stuff I'd completely like completely forgotten that she was with me and that she wanted to take a little bit of time looking at the stuff in Claire's accessories and take a look at the time looking in this sort of you know a pound shop or whatever it is and stuff and that because I've been so absorbed in kind of right I've got to tick this box off and I've got to be at this place and then we've got to get back because we've got to do this and And so so much of this I think is 
um, being honest and saying, I got this bit wrong. Um, so next time I go back on this, I need to slow the fuck down mm. and actually be present rather than kind of, because don't get me wrong, that when we sat down and had breakfast, I was present there. But then I was kind of, it was like, a, it was like, you, right, let's just get this done and get, because I don't, I mean, I'm not a big fan of shopping anyway. So it's not a pleasurable experience for me shopping. But, you know, in, in, in hindsight, I'd made it all about me. It wasn't about her. It wasn't about being present with her. It was about sort of, and it's, and it's having that insight and awareness to actually reflect back and think, actually, I could have, I could have done a better job then. In fact, I know I could have done a better job then. You know what I mean? Mm. So I like yeah, yeah. the fact you mentioned that. And uh, like, I, like I say, I think guys struggle with that. Mums, they, they, I, I think, think they better do. at it. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely. I think they are, and it, but 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 it takes an amount of self awareness and then amount of risk, right? Because we're always, I think, we tend to sort of worry about the status quo so much, right? And we we don't want to be bad dads, but we've spent a lot of our life, you know. If you go and sit in the pub, you know, if I've, sh- I always use the example of shouting at your kids, right? what men often say is oh, I shout when I shout at my kids, it's because I don't want them to be like me. I don't want them to do some of the things that I did. And then you can sit in a pub and all blokes will say that together, but that's not what you, I never shout. I never sit down and think, Hmm, right. What I'll do now is I'll try shouting at them because that'll stop them doing the bad things that I used to do. When I shout at my kids, it's because I've lost my, my shit. Yes. Yeah? It's, it's on me. That's on me because something's triggered me to be overwhelmed to do that. So, so I, so rather than going with that kind of common narrative, I need to do what you've just done, which is like that that question, because we can think about it now and look back at being in Claire's accessories. And like, you you know, I would very easily be able to visualize my daughter in there looking at all the stuff and her smiling face and maybe there thinking, oh, you know, let's look, what do you like? What things do you like? And then buying her some of it and thinking and feeling amazing. And, then, and we can reflect on it now. But then we have to say to ourselves, what is it that in that moment drove me to not be able to notice that? What drove me to rush that and stop that happening, right? What, 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 what was it about that day and what was it about the way that I was feeling that led me to have an inability to notice the joy in my daughter's face when she was in Claire's accessories, right? And I think the more that we can do that, the better, because next time you go, right, you'll have a better shot. Not, you won't get it right every time. My truth is I won't get it right. I can do this conversation and then be in town with my daughter later and be saying, hurry up, I've got to go home, right? Because I because that's how quickly it takes over us. But the more I'm willing, the more I'm willing to do that, and for me, my busyness when we're out comes from my anxiety, right? How easily I get overwhelmed. I always when, when we're on holiday, I always say when we're on the beach on holiday, I'm taking loads of pictures. And, and the reason I'm taking pictures is because I find it really hard to be there. And I enjoy the beach holiday more when we're sat at home looking through the photos. There we are at the beach. Oh, it was amazing. But really, when we were there, I was tense, uptight, taking a few pictures and trying to escape, getting the paper out, looking at the news on my phone, watching video, because I because I sort of struggled to be there, you know. And I have to understand that about myself because if I don't then I'm never going to make those changes needed. And what message, What message, by the way, to take it one step further, to use your example of Claire's accessories, and I use that because it's, it's one that's happened to me a million times, yeah? What message would my daughter get when I'm rushing her in Claire's accessories so that we can go and buy my stuff? What's wrong with, what's wrong with me? Why, 
Why doesn't dad want to be with me in Claire's accessories? We made time for all of him. What about me? And the only message our kids get from that is that there's something wrong with them. Yeah. That's the only narrative. That's the only message we give them. Now, I always say, if you can get it right 30% of the time, I think you're doing well. Yeah. And I think the 30% of the time that you get it right will outweigh the 70% of the time. I think part of the problem is, is that that 30% don't happen for a lot of us because we just live in denial. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to hear that they might've made their daughter feel like they weren't good enough when they were in Claire's accessories. Right. No, I don't want to hear that about myself, but I know how often I do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. makes perfect sense. And I think the thing is, is it's, it's, it's important for guys listening to this to hear what Josh is saying and what I'm saying, because we're saying that we're not perfect in any stretch of the imagination. And, and this is not a, um, this is not a battle to the death of perfection and perfectionism. It's actually, uh, it's actually the ability to reflect back on what has happened and have some awareness of how you've reacted in that situation, why that may be the case. So it could be mm. that it could be that I don't know. It could be that when you went out with your old man, when he used to take you shopping, it was kind of it was it was it was a really quick experience. You're just you're just kind of rerunning that same script. It could well be mm. that you just don't you don't enjoy shopping anyway, or you want to be in and out quickly or whatever. But it's reflecting, but also it's reflecting and correcting. Essentially, it's it's. Mm. It's, it's breaking the chain by reflecting and correcting and, and 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 not kind of beating yourself up that you're that you're a bad dad or you've done something completely wrong it's in your power to correct what what happens going forward isn't it yeah exactly or at least have the willingness to right at least yeah. have the willingness to you sort of talk about the like it's not about being perfect actually it's more just an awareness of how imperfect we are right yeah. And rather than creating, rather than creating the common narrative, you know, I was just busy that day. That's all it was. You go, hang on a minute. Now nah, I could have slowed down. So next time, you know, and, and then once you vocalize it like this in a conversation like this, it would be very hard for me or you next time we're in Claire's accessories with one of the kids. Yeah. To rush in there. Cause we've had this conversation, we've vocalized it and we'll be in Claire's accessories and we'll be like, I'm going to spend some time. We'll probably come out of their skin if I'm honest with you. Right now, we've had this conversation, <laughs> but we'll spend a bit of time in there, right? We'll spend a bit of time in there, and that's that's that is the power. That is the power in in being able to vocalize it, right, and being able to to reflect on it, and then share it in a safe space with another, particularly another man, another dad, who understands and who's done the same thing, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a powerful bit of dialogue we've had right there and I think and uh, yeah. yeah I think it's definitely <laughs> now whenever it's going to be etched on our brain whenever we go shopping now for the foreseeable future slow down yeah <laughs> slow down there's Claire's accessories where we like walk straight past it and then we don't have to stick to it right <laughs> don't go in there we don't have to stick to it <laughs> yeah but actually, I'm going to have to reach out to them and see if they want to sponsor this episode because it's going to be like a, it's going to be like a marketing ploy for the dads walking past the, Claire's accessories um we we've sort of delved into like how how, uh, how how we can sort of build resilience in particularly particularly our children. In terms of our, our kind of the like the work that we're that we're doing on ourselves, you know, I spoke, I mentioned to you before about what what I say to some of the guys in in my group in terms of kind of 
actually changing your relationship with thought, feeling, emotion. We talked about a book that both of us really like, which is Michael A. Singer's Untethered Soul. But one thing that I wanted to sort of delve into with you as well, Josh, is that I think some guys equip them with like a toolkit of resources or things that they're going to do in order to start to change their relationship with thought, feeling, and emotion, which could be, it could be meditation, it could be journaling, it could be doing a brain dump of different things. You know, these are kind of typical ones that, that people use. It could be walking or wherever it's going to be. Um, but I think sometimes there is a tendency for us to look at whatever seven-figure um, influencer is doing and follow their routine. Um, but more often than not, I think we kind of get a routine dialed in and then we kind of stop educating ourselves in it. And one thing that I've found really helpful for me is, is to understand that if you are someone that does need to change your relationship with thought, feeling, and emotion, to actually be like a lifelong student of the mind. And I don't know, you may well disagree with me and say, no, you once you've got it cracked, you don't need to. But I think it's helpful for guys to see themselves as work in progress and lifelong students of the mind, if that makes any sense. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, I think the, the the times in my life when I've had it all figured out have been the biggest struggles in my life, right? Because <laughs> I'm in those moments, I'm just full of it and I haven't got a clue, right? I think if I look at, like, uh, the, I call it the 10 years of actively doing this work, right, of actively trying to seek answers. I think I started off at the beginning desperate to find the answer. And I think probably after a few years, I thought I found it, right? And then that all came crashing down because I thought I had it all together and then realized that I didn't. And actually now the biggest freedom just comes from realizing how little I know, right? And how and how much there is out there to discover and just, you know, the exploration of it always the fun, to be the student of the mind, right? And to just know that I ain't, I've not even scratched the surface. I've not even scratched the surface. And for me, it is a series of, I say like a series of coming out, just series of coming out to everyone and saying, you know, that thing that I've been banging on about for a year about how it works and it's a game changer. I don't even think it does anymore. And I'm trying something else. Do you know what I mean? Having that ability to be wrong, to explore, to get miles down a path and realize it was the wrong path and then turn around and go back and go down another path. That for me is the fun of it. And I think, you know, if I was to give anybody any tools, I would say, um, if you're a man, you know, have men in your life who you regularly go into a space with and explore, vent, men who are going to love you enough to hold you accountable, but do it with compassion. Do you know what I mean? Have enough to not just be yes people to you, but to say to you, I don't know, that doesn't feel right. Let's explore it. Um and then to have some kind of regular daily practice. I need it. And for me, that's a daily practice on my own. Um, I need that, right? I need to go away from the world and reflect on a daily basis. And if I don't do it for a few days, I'm not a very nice person. That's the reality. That is the reality, you know? And so, but within that, within that space that I create every day, I learn more and more and more about myself because I'm always questioning, you know, that, 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 that conversation that we just had about being in town, I'm always reflecting. How could I have done that better? Why did that come up? Why did I feel like I needed to be so busy? 
was I re- was it really busyness or was it I did was it I was struggling to be present whatever yeah just questioning being curious all of the time mm-hmm. um in a way that in and of itself is probably one of my addictions right one of my ways of not having to be with myself is always trying to work out why I why I can't be with myself and obsessing about that right but <laughs> That's how you get down the rabbit hole. And I think it's probably the best rabbit hole I've ever found myself down, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, my, um, my old man always used to sort of say, I remember him looking at my eldest daughter and he'd look at her when she was a baby and, she's, and he'd say, and he'd say, she's going to be a big thinker. She's going to be a big thinker. And when she, when he said that, I used to, I used to like, in my mind, I'm kind of like, oh shit, I've been trying to unravel thoughts in my head for the whole of my life. I don't want her to be a big thinker. But I think the thing is, is like what you were saying about kind of processing. Um, you, 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 I think if you are someone that kind of ruminates and thinks and goes over stuff in their brain and whatever, it, 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 it can feel kind of torturous but it also is a superpower at the same time. And I think mm. it's how you can kind of challenge and, ch- and channel those thoughts in a kind of productive way. And I think that like, like you, I need to have time out in nature. I need to have the phone off and just be letting my brain off the leash and letting it kind of do its thing and, and stuff. And, and, and that's kind of when your brain begins to make sense of the jumble of thoughts and the kind of this, the Buddhists use this kind of analogy with lotus flowers, don't they? That the kind of mm. once the kind of silk kind of sinks and and settles on the bottom, then you have the clear water f- above it, which is where the kind of thought where you're where the real powerful thoughts and creativity. But you need to kind of create that bandwidth to allow the silt to fall fall to the bottom of the lake in order for that clear water to create. That, that those really powerful insights i think you could call it so um, yeah love that i love that yeah and that is exactly that's exactly it mm. it's been a fantastic conversation today josh and um i'm glad we actually sat down and had a conversation because i think that there's that there'll be a lot of stuff that guys can take away from this and think Shit, I'm not the only one that feels like that. And uh, <laughs> but but also um there's a there's a there's a ton of stuff that we could seriously probably go down some rabbit holes on in the future and stuff. So definitely I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep in touch with you and and and, and hold you to uh maybe delving into some of this other stuff. For people that are listening, what's the best way for them to kind of find out about you, um, what you do. Uh, and uh, reach out to you, sir. Uh, yeah, so look, my website is just joshconnolly.co.uk. All my social handles are on there. I sort of put a lot of stuff on YouTube. Uh, Instagram's probably where I'm most busy. Uh, I do quite a bit on LinkedIn as well. Uh, but if you go to my website, you can find me there. On Instagram, I'm just josh underscore ffw. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty easily findable if you if you if you search my name now. So that's always a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> is it always? You, it's because yeah, it's it's because you're famous. You see, you've hit the big time. <laughs> <laughs> I said that. I tried to say that in my head, like I was. I'm de- definitely not that. <laughs> <laughs> Last question to you, uh, 
and for me, regular listeners to the podcast will be like, right, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? I don't prime any of my guests for this question, but the question is this, Josh, what is it in life that gives you meaning? What is it that now you've set it up like that? I feel like I need to like give the best answer that you've ever had on, <laughs> on the, what is it that gives life meaning? I know we've been talking about being parents all of the time, but I can't, to, to be honest with you, I can't look that far beyond my kids. And you know, the one, you know, the one thing that I say when I, my life changed and I got sober, right. I don't know how people do it without kids. I don't know how people find themselves where I find, found myself, right. And get sober because I know people say that you have to do it for yourself. I'm telling you now for the first year, at least, I did it solely for my kids. I did it solely because I had kids, right? Um, for me, what gives my life meaning is is trying to discover who I am, but but for my kids, and that that really that really is it for me. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know how good an answer that is. I feel like I've sort of let myself down with that. <laughs> that's, it's a bit, it feels like a bit of a cop out, but it, it is. It is. Listen, you know, they're at the heart of what I think and do all of the time. All of the time, my, my kids, and I have got six of them. So yeah, so that's plenty to think about. <laughs> yeah. So it's a lot of meaning. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. And, and it's not a test. That question isn't a test. It's really just, uh, I, I like to find out what makes people tick. And and meaning is one of the things that I think is kind of at the hub of our existence. And uh, it's one thing that doesn't get spoken about a lot, but I th- I, it should do, I think. And, 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 and each podcast I do, it gives people an insight as to what, guys like you and other experts and other individuals what makes them tick and what kind mm. of have have you ever answered it yeah yeah i have yeah on the podcast yeah i have yeah oh, okay can i hear <laughs> yeah. it i want to hear what it was i'm intrigued go on well, what gives me meaning is 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 helping other guys through what i know and my life experience mm. and 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 it, and if i can change people's lives through what I do on Guild of Dads, then that gives me the most meaning. It really does. And and sometimes last week was a bit of a roller coaster week for me, in the sense that it was in the sense that things went well, things didn't go too well. Um and then a few things happened towards the end of the week. A few people reached out to me. Something happened on the Facebook group as well um, that I run. And, uh, but people reached out to me and, um, messaged me and they communicated to me the impact that what I'm doing has been having on them, not just personally, but the impact it's having on dads and men in general. And sometimes, as you know, when you're doing this kind of this work, it's, you don't always see that payback immediately. It's kind of a slow burn. And so when people do come back to you and they give that feedback and you, and you hear that it's, it's an endorsement of, of the path that you're on, if that makes any sense. Yeah, um, it does. And it's, and it's hard. 
<laughs> I was talking to you about crying on a podcast recently, so I'm not going to go. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to cry on this podcast. But some, when you're doing this work on yourself and you're doing this work in order to help others, it's a, it's, sometimes it is a very, very lonely path and you wonder why you're doing it. You wonder, particularly if you're saying stuff that's controversial, which is going to ruffle feathers and stuff, you know, um, you do begin to question yourself. And I think that it's nice when you get that positive feedback loop begin to kick in because you can actually see that what you're doing is making a difference and it does matter to people and, and it is having an impact. And, and to your question, what gives me meaning? That is what gives me meaning that, that knowing that what I do is kind of, is making a difference, not just to dads, but the kind of the trickle down effect that it has to dads, to wives, to partners, to kids. And, and my big thing is, is that if, if a dad's firing on all cylinders, everyone basks in that glow, children, wives, partners, but ultimately society. And it, and it does have a trickle down effect because if we can crack, if, 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 if as dads, we can crack this or certainly do better than kind of our dads did or our grandparents did or whatever, not to say they did a really bad job, but if we can refine this and get better at this shit, then the implications for our sons and our daughters and their sons and their daughters and further down the line, you know, the ripple effect of that is massive. So, um, I don't know whether I can say any more than that, Josh. Mom, you can, well, you can judge whether that's a good answer or not. It's a very good answer. It is. And I'm, I'm actually, no, I'm glad I asked. That was, um, yeah, a powerful moment actually hearing you say that. Genuinely powerful. I was like, wow, this is a bit of a moment. I'm glad <laughs> I asked. We, we saved the best till last. There, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Josh, it's been an absolute pleasure in more ways than one challenging me at the last little knockings of this podcast i thought i was off the hook, <laughs> you bastard um but uh yeah <laughs> but it's been an absolute pleasure having you on man and uh hopefully we can do it again in the future definitely yeah look forward to part two cheers man cheers a big thank you to josh for joining me you can link up with him over on instagram his content is really great and also youtube check him out at joshconnolly.co.uk where you can see what he's all about now, if you've listened to me or follow me, you will know that I'm a, that I'm really, really big on changing our relationship with thought, feeling, and emotion. And this is why I wanted to get Josh on because this is exactly where he's at. This isn't a case of switching off the normal ebb and flow of human emotion, but getting to a point where you can make peace with it so it doesn't control you and you can process it in a natural way rather than sedating it with uh, substances or coping mechanisms or running away from it. Now, I honestly believe... Deep down, that if the majority of men were equipped with the skills to do this and shared those very same skills with other men, then, they w- then we would be in a much better and more empowered position. Because sadly, I see so many, what I would term hopeless, hapless guys who simply aren't equipped with a different roadmap. And often, that's not through any fault of their own. It's just because the society we live in doesn't present guys with these ancient tools and skills to find our way through the ups and downs of life so it's a case very much of relearning those if you want to link up with me you can do so on instagram facebook using the handle at guild of dads 
Let me know what resonated about this episode. Perhaps addiction has affected your family. Maybe you broke the chain. What do you do to deal with strong emotions when they come up? Did I mention that you can also now buy me a coffee on my website, guildofdads.com? It's really easy and helps keep the lights on here at Guild of Dads Towers. Just head over to guildofdads.com, click the coffee cup button and go for it. Those of you who do donate, you get a shout out on here and in the Facebook group as well. So go ahead. In order to have a positive impact on the world, we improve ourselves and inspire others. Share this podcast with others so that they may benefit from anything you have found useful or interesting. And this one is a particularly shareable one. If you make a point of sharing Guild of Dads with friends and relatives, it means Guild of Dads can grow, expand and help many more men just like you. The other thing you can do is leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, which really helps other dads to find the podcast when they're looking for new things to listen to. Right now, the Guild of Dads Facebook group is growing fast, very fast in fact. If you want to get on board, head on over there and join up today where you can get around a lively group of other guys talking everything about being a dad and improving themselves as men and dads. Hopefully you find something insightful in every episode, so share with dad you know. In the meantime, live a life of vision action and meaning apply what you hear and we'll see you next time